Today on Krina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about a big subject. Hairy frog. Big hairy frog subject. Big, scary, hairy, hairy uh, subject of entitlement. Maybe more specifically, white male entitlement at work. Welcome to Krina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Krina Hoyer. And we are so glad to have you with us today. We are talking about a tough, <laughs> tough subject. I was laughing because I'm like, are we glad? We I, are this, glad. We are glad. We're going to, damn it, I've got my teeth gritted. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it, if we're not going to create some ease, meaning, and joy around entitlement. That's right. Ease, meaning, and joy at work for women. Oh, dear. This is buckle up, sisters. Buckle up. It's going to be a big one. I really feel the reverberations in the land of the Coast Salish people about the energy that we're bringing on this topic. Oh, yeah. That started in my kitchen this morning. Yes, it did. It started in your kitchen. Talking to two white men, my uh, son and husband. Yeah. And here we are. Who were both great conversation and thought partners about this. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So we should call out to that. Yeah. So white male entitlement in the workplace. Interesting how this uh, episode has evolved. You know, oftentimes we'll like look at a subject, we'll research it for a week, we'll tape it a few days later. This one has really lingered on for months. Like we've been having this conversation about this particular episode for months. Yep. And I think we've really been talking about this particular topic the entire history of the podcast. (laughs) For years. Yeah, it's been, it has seeped in so many times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because listeners will recall that a couple of episodes ago, I just, you know, shared a story about a guy who on vacation felt as though he was entitled to my time. And I think even while you were on vacation, while I was on vacation, he felt entitled to to my time. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that. And, um, in that episode, in that telling of that story, I think I even struggled. I was like, I want to do an episode about this. And I don't even know what it's about. And you said it's about entitlement. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Yes. So I think we started talking about this. I, at least I did, started by really framing it as entitlement at work. Because, you know, thinking, you know, there are men and women who operate as though they're entitled at work. But the research and the reading and the books and the conversations really changed to truly like, no, this is a men, this is an ep, this is a me, uh, men's issue mm-hmm. this is an issue for men and an issue for white men it is a, it is really an issue for white men and that's what i want to start which is yes i i i feel the effects of this problem yeah i experience the effects of this problem but it is not my problem yeah it really isn't yeah it isn't it isn't not it, that i'm not willing to help or, or or contribute or talk or think or all the things but at the end of the day it's not my responsibility it's not your problem to solve and this this came up for me in this super weird innocuous way i would say mm, like mm-hmm. didn't seem like it was very significant so there is a four-way stop right by my office and i stop there every day i go to my office and every day i leave my office and i noticed that that I would come to the stop at the same time as an older white man yeah. in a larger vehicle. Yep. Not always, but yeah. many times. Yeah. And, you know, the traffic laws are that the person to the right goes first, right? Yeah. And what I kept noticing was that the white, the older white man would keep going ahead of me. And I was like, again? 
Yeah. Again? Again? And then I was like, oh, Kirsten, that's just silly. And then I realized, no, wait a minute. We are close together. Mm -hmm. He can see me. He knows we came at the same time, yet he continues to think that the traffic laws do not apply to him. That's right. And that he goes first. Right. Like, I just found this to be so fascinating. And that I became obsessed. <laughs> I became obsessed, not just then about the traffic, you know, the yes. stop, the, the four-way stop, but in every other place, I would watch yeah. how often men would go first. Yeah. Like, or say something first, or take the space first, or do whatever first, which, you know, I'm not saying that I don't know this and I'm surprised by this. I've experienced this for the 30 years that I have been in, like, the professional workforce. But just for some reason, it came crashing in on me. Yeah, it became this thing that you were noticing time in situations and time and time again. I like to ignore it, frankly, because it's painful. Well, and I think that's the other part of this is that in reading like in our own in observing our own experiences and then reading and researching it i think you and i referred to it as a car crash we didn't we really want to look at this because it does it and so and i also want to say so right about now most of the men who listen to our show are turning it off don't do it and i and and just like the don't conversation that we had in the uh, kitchen just now with my son and husband you know we want to acknowledge that what we're going to talk about is not does not apply to every single man. It doesn't apply to every single woman. It doesn't apply in every single situation. Mm -hmm. But what these we're, are systemic issues. We're going to talk about what how how white men in particular operate in the world in a system mm -hmm. that is designed for them, mm -hmm. and you don't even know you're doing it, but you act as though the system was designed for you because it was. And, and, and that you are going to, of course, speak first. Of course, go at the traffic, you know, go first when there's a question of, at a trap, or not even a question, like at a, you know, four-way stop. That you, of course, get respect. Of course, you get love, kindness, uh, sex, etc. And and it And it may come as a surprise to you that these things are the function of a system, um, and you may maybe in your mind, you don't know that this is happening to you, but please don't turn it off. Mm -hmm. Listen, and this is really I mean, we're not talking about this today, but this is in many ways like white privilege, right? Yeah. That white people walk through the world with these privileges that we need to be aware of. And those are my responsibility. Yeah. Like I claim those. Those are mine yeah. to take care of and to understand and to recognize and to deal with. Yes. So. We are. Thanks for saying that. We are talking about a system, mm -hmm. a society that supports and encourages this behavior. Yeah. We're all living in the soup, right? Yeah. Sometimes we don't even know that we're just steeped in this broth. Yes. Yes. So do you want to define what entitlement is? So this is, okay, as usual, Karina and I have a little bit different perspectives of this as we've gone through um thinking about this and researching this. So for me, entitlement really is about having an excessive sense of your own regard, a belief in your automatic right to something, um, that you go through the world thinking these things are just like, it's like breathing, like mm -hmm. they're just owed to you, yeah. right? Of course you will. Of course right. this is the way it will be. Yeah. And I would say that's the key for me is the excessive self-regard. Yeah. And to 
and to really like, this was a great conversation with Spencer, your son. And he was like, well, isn't everybody entitled? And I was like, hmm. And you were more like, yeah, everybody is entitled. And I, my perspective more is everybody is deserving. Yeah. So that's how I make that distinction. Yes, of course, everybody deserves these things. Yes. But the entitlement piece means somehow I deserve more or better. Which I also think is unconscious. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. when, when you're listening to this, you're like, well, I don't operate it. I don't think I'm better or deserve more. But in fact, white men do. You yes. just don't know it. You just don't know it. And Mm -hmm. that's part of the issue. And why? Why? Because the system has always given it to you. And that system, by definition, and scholars define that system, is, is misogyny. And that's that is where the pain comes in. Right. That's the pain point is the misogyny. Like living in a system that is biased against you, prejudiced against you, dislikes you Mm -hmm. and sometimes even hates you yes is a really painful reckoning yes and exactly and that's a misogynistic system misogyny is by definition the dislike contempt or ingrained prejudice against women and again it's ingrained it's not even conscious and here's the here's the problem with conscious conscious you got it okay and i think like and when I think a lot of people that I know would say to me, Kirsten, I don't feel misogyny. I don't feel like the society hates me. Yeah. And I'm like, that is great. And <laughs> and most of the time, I don't feel that way either. Right. But when you look at the results for women in healthcare, yeah. when you look at how women are paid, when you look at how women are supported as parents as moms, right? When you look at all of these different statistics, when we talk about the state of women at work from Mm -hmm. Lena and McKenzie, Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, our results are worse, are poorer, our circumstances are more difficult. And so I can only come to one conclusion. Yeah. If as a society, we accept the results for women in all of these different places, then there is something about the society that dislikes, is prejudiced, or hates women. Right. And that's a misogynistic. And that's where my stomach just falls and I feel super sick about it. And like, what just a shitty place, right? That's the car crash that we don't want to look at. I'm just like, that's like when I had to read, I was reading again about Kavanaugh. Don't even want to say what his title is, Justice, because it feels so ill-suited. When I was reading about Kavanaugh and Dr. Blasey Ford, and I just was looking at the transcript of what different elected officials said or what different Congress people said, and it was just repulsive. Right. It was repulsive to see the disregard, prejudice, and hate. For the women. Yep. For the woman in the context of a man in his, I just want to know who in the world quote unquote, deserves to be a Supreme Court justice. Because that's what that's what the Republican senators were saying, this deservedness for him. Yes. And how could she question that this person had worked their whole lives to be this thing and somehow they deserved it? It was, I mean, it was hard at the time. 
was hard to hear. Mm-hmm. And it was like, when I was reading it, I just couldn't do it. I had to put it down. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I got about, I got about 10 lines here and then I got to put it down and take a breath. Right. Cause it's hideous. Cause it's hideous. And the system that allows that is a misogynistic system. And so we read this one philosopher, her name's Kate Mann. She's written two books, one called down girl, which I love that title and one called entitlement. Uh, she works, she's a philosopher at Cornell mm-hmm. and, and she's from, she's, she's, I think she's Australian. Yeah. She's originally from Australia, but not, doesn't live there now. And, um, her, uh, and we read a lot of articles. I think that, by the way, if you, you should Google her because she's badass. She is brilliant. Yes. And in fact, a heady. I think I use that term to yeah, describe her. She is so freaking smart. Yeah. Like we try and figure out exactly what does she mean when she talks about <laughs> the difference between sexism and misogyny. And part of me is like, ah, I can only do so much. I My read, brain only works. I know. So. I listened to so many podcasts by her and read multiple articles from uh, uh, anyway. So what one of the things that she says that I think is a, applicable to, to what your story just now, Kirsten, is that she's saying misogyny is not. It's not the psychological property of individuals. In other words, it's not each person who's like consciously thinking Mm -hmm, of this, mm -hmm. but it's something that women and girls face, not because they're women in a man's world. Oh, sorry. In a man's mind. Yeah, not because they're women in a man's mind. This isn't a consciousness thing that men are doing. It's because they're women in a man's world. So it is the collective that creates the condition. Exactly. And okay, so- there you have it. So, which to me, I mean, I'm going to call back to that Kavanaugh incident. Dr. Blasey Ford, it was not about her. Right. She is, she was competent. Yep. She was an, an amazing communicator. She was reserved and clear and forthright, you know? So it really wasn't about anything with her. Yeah. It was about the system. In fact, it wasn't anything about Kavanaugh because he was like a petulant child, as so many people have said. (laughs) So it really ends up not being about the behavior or the individuality of either one of them, but how the system plays over top of them. Exactly. Which I found that so helpful. Yes. And again, man says the system that it's a system that operates within a patriarchal social order to police and enforce women's subordination and to uphold male dominance, like a shot collar used to keep dogs behind a fence. And so- And that was also hard when she talked about misogyny for women is like wearing a shot collar. Yeah. And you can kind of go about your life. And as long as you're aware of where that fence is, you're not going to get popped. Right. But if you're not aware or you step over, you're going to get popped. That's right. And I would, I also feel like in certain situations, like- Like I've talked to other male lawyers and had that experience of misogyny, of being popped. Mm -hmm. That's right. Of course. And so, and I'm sure women who are listening can think of a hundred stories. Yeah. Personal instances and every day where they get, where the shot collar goes off, where we get popped. In fact, we don't even know. We don't even feel it anymore because we also just operate that's the expectation that's the soup that's the soup exactly so then oh okay so that's misogyny right that's the system so now enters entitlement Mm -hmm. entitlement which exists because of the system right right? and entitlement entitled behavior is about the individual Mm -hmm. it is about what you do at the four-way stop is about not you know it's it's I see it at the grocery store. That's my trigger. <laughs> I told you that grocery cart is a yes. weapon at this point. Yes. You walk in front of me, I'm keeping on right. going. Right. 
Yes. I don't know if Liz, I don't think you've ever told that story on the air. I can't remember, but oh, no. it's the, at the Costco with all of the men who are just busting by you. Oh, right? the, yes. The Costco, that story, which I actually, we heard it and we didn't air it because I was so pissed off <laughs> that it was like, uh, Karina, you needed to back that one down a little bit. But I will tell you the story where I was just getting every, around every corner, there was a guy who wouldn't get out of my way, who's just like wandering around. Cause of course his wife is doing the shopping and right. So he's just looking at stuff, cutting me off, whatever. And it, and finally I got out and I was walking to my car and I just thought I'm going to cool off. It's going to be fine. And I was walking down the aisle, you know, like whatever the park in the parking lot to go to my car. And a guy in a big truck comes up behind me and rolls down his window and says, why don't you take up the whole fucking lane? And what you really probably should have said is, yeah, I will. Thanks. Right. And I, and, and I was like, wait, you're okay. And I told you, he then went to park his car. He parked that truck and I had to, I had to convince myself not to go key his car or his truck. That's the story. That's my, okay. So anyway, enter now in like, hello, enter in entitlement again, behavior. What are other entitled behaviors that we see from men and in the workplace? Should we do that? Do you want to yeah, talk? We go do, there. Let's okay, tune in guys. And ladies, this comes with a warning. Because when we start telling you these things, you're going to go, shit. And then you're going to see it every day. And then it's going to be the, you're going to be looking at the car crash too. <laughs> you're going to be thinking about whose car you're going to key next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, that guy, he lucked out. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so examples. What do you think? Okay. Have we done, I mean, maybe we've exhausted it. We've been talking about examples no, this whole time. I'm just going to take a really deep breath before I start on this list. So it is that acting like the master of the castle, the person in charge. Yeah. And that means things like making the decisions. Yep. I see it in my work in this air of superiority, being better than. Yeah. I once sat, met a lawyer in his office and he gave me a tiny stool on the front of his desk, so I was two feet below him, stretched his arms out and talked to me as if I had never practiced law. Yeah. <laughs> so that was entitled behavior, yeah. right? Yes. Um, wanting women to adhere to behavioral codes. Like, mm -hmm. this is the way we've talked about this before, how women dress. Yeah. Oh, she shouldn't dress that way. Why not? Right. Why not? Why shouldn't she dress that way? What is that way? What does that mean to you? Right. Does that mean that you can't control your own sexuality? Right. Because of the way somebody else is appearing? Why is it her responsibility to monitor her behavior? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I think also things like making big decisions without consulting others or, you know, not like acting as though you are superior. You talk first. Your opinion is correct. Your experience is the, is on the only experience. Is the only experience. Mm -hmm. Or your experience acting as though your experience is universal. Of course, everybody also, has, you know, like not honoring what other people, especially women, people of color, et cetera, are experiencing. And also things like just sort of always, and I was saying this um, earlier, always going first in line, always taking the biggest helping, always taking the night, the best parking spot. It's just the shit that you acting as though the best, the biggest, the nicest, the shiniest is 
yours. Already it's yours. It's just habit. And I think that there's another piece of entitlement that has come into my mind since we've been talking about this, mm. which is the ability to go through life without thinking about these things. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like it is just entitled that you don't even have to think about these things. They just happen and you're just lifted up into them. Right. Whereas I think that, you know, the opposite of entitlement, and we'll get to that later in the show, is figuring out how your behavior in the world supports or not other people. Yes. Or just simply advances yourself. Yes. Yes. So I think the fact that you don't have that conversation with yourself and your brain, mm -hmm. and this is one of the few conversations I think are really good to have with yourself and your own brain, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> is another form of entitlement. Yeah. Yeah. That you don't even think about it. By the way, uh, again, um, referencing the conversation we had before we started taping, you know, my son Spencer was like, oh my God, my generation, this is all going to get wiped out because we don't act like that. We don't act entitled in the same way. We don't see women in the same way historically. And I'm going to say maybe, and I have great hope for the younger generations coming up behind us, but I don't, I, you know. I, I have to say, I don't, I, my <laughs> hope is around their awareness. Yeah. Because if you are aware, then you can do the thing that I just talked about. Yeah. Which was to figure out how your behavior furthers and supports those systemic challenges for other people. Yeah. Right. That's where I think their hope is in there. My hope for them, as I should say, is in their awareness. Yeah. And I agree with him. I think they're way more aware. Yeah. I still think that they're they're living in a misogynistic society. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So changing the system is very difficult. Um, okay. So then, so uh, where do you want to go from here? I feel like we've really like, clearly folks understand, I think misogyny and what some um, entitled behaviors are in the workplace. Um, there has been some interesting research specifically about entitled people at mm -hmm. work. Um, but I don't know. Do you feel like there, you have any other examples or things you want to, or stories you want to talk about? Before we move on to that? No, I'm good because I want to talk about that research because I think that the research is really interesting. And then we can talk about, as my friend Amory says, it's soft science, but it's still science because yeah. that calms my brain. Yeah. From being, yeah, from is social feeling the feelings. Social science is soft science? Well, some people say that. Yeah. I don't know enough about it to have an opinion about it, but I feel like science is having a hypothesis and doing research that and testing fair. it. That is fair. And so I don't know why soft. Anne-Marie, would you please let me know? We'll get that information for next time. Yes, get her. Yes, please. Okay. So anyway, but there was some workplace uh, entitlement research that was done recently by who? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> why do I not have this cited in our notes? Oh, okay. Actually, here it is. I found it. This is research that is out of a research center in Israel, mm -hmm. interestingly. I'll put um, it in the show notes. Yeah, perfect. And they say, um, they did a, they were really looking at um, people's um, excessive sense of psychological entitlement and really the, the impacts it had on them at work. And Interestingly, they indicate that employees who fee feel highly entitled are more likely to demonstrate increased levels of aggressive behavior. Isn't that okay? Mm -hmm. Also, create awake their <laughs> create in their wake a whole bunch of stressed out colleagues. So entitlement creates people around you who are stressed, which makes absolute sense to me. It's how we felt. It's how you felt after Costco. It's how I feel after the four-way stop. Yes. It's how I felt after the interaction with my colleague. Yes. 
Also, people who are highly entitled experience greater conflict with their supervisors. Again, no brainer, right? You walk, you operate in the workplace as though you are deserving of, as as though the system will deliver, as though you will receive. Fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to uh, demonstrate more aggressive behavior, and you're going to leave everybody around you stressed, stressed out. out and pissed off. And I should say too. <laughs> <laughs> Just for clarity, this study was not about men. Yeah. It was about workers, men and women. Yeah. So this is just about kind of how entitlement is expressed in the workplace and the effects it has. Yeah, exactly. But also, in addition to like being more aggressive and making everybody pissed off around you, you yourself will actually report higher job frustration, which in turn is associated with like you know, then that then it's like the snowball. Right. Burnout, the, low job satisfaction. And this is the part where, you know, I'll be honest, what's it called? Schoidenfreud? I'm get happy at somebody else's misery. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's right, you entitled <laughs> SOB. I hope you hate your job and you're burnt out. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, exactly. I hope and that's probably not sucks a good for you. approach. It's probably not a good approach. <laughs> but it does. It's my baser self. It does. It does. Damn it happy studies they're show unhappy. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, their entitled employees show lower job satisfaction and higher levels of burnout and stress. Yeah, no shit. Because you walk around as though the world is going to deliver whatever it is you want and you get hostile when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So those same findings, yeah. right? Yeah. Think about those as they manifest around white male entitlement. Yeah. Right? Yes. I wonder, I have this big wonder, whether or not that creates less life satisfaction, creates less job satisfaction and more burnout. Mm -hmm. I wonder how that translates into life. Like, I mean, I think it's obvious. Yeah. I don't have a scientific report to back it up. <laughs> But this is part of my issue, which I think white male entitlement is damaging towards men, too, towards white male men. Yes. Yeah. White male men. White, white male men. White male men. I think you were saying. It's too much man. <laughs> Everybody knows what I mean. Yes. And cue heart attacks and stress and poor, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So cue, if this really does have negative impacts on those who are entitled, which this research shows with men and women. And your entitled behavior certainly has negative impacts on everyone around you. Absolutely. It goes back to my original point. Right. In this show, which is, it's not my problem. Yes. It's not my responsibility. No. It's yours. Yeah. White man. So. But I don't want to whisper that. I want to whisper it because it gets people's attention. <laughs> okay. Cause I want to, cause yell. I'm usually kind of loud and like, <laughs> blah, 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 and fast. And if I slow down and whisper it, I <laughs> feel like I get better. That's like the kindergartner trick, kindergarten teacher trick, I'm, right? I'm We're going to talk I'm quieter and quieter and, slowly. and quieter to get your attention. Right. No, I want to yell. That's actually my deal. In fact, when you were tearing up earlier, I was like, God, this is it. I get more and more <laughs> pissed and you cry. That's and it's exactly all it. How we all respond to our feelings. Again, right? right. We're just, yeah, you and I are living in it. So, but again, if it's a man, if it's a guy's problem and a, and men, you have to freaking start seeing this shit and doing better. So what is, what are we talking about? Mm -hmm. You have to start doing better. Which really and, comes to being aware of evaluating and modifying 
your behavior. Yeah. The behavior that the system, that society tells you you should engage in. Yes. You have to swim upstream. You have to. You have to limit how much space you take up. You have to shut up and let other people speak. You have to stop interrupting us. Right? Yeah. You also have to listen to understand. Not listen to for say a pause so that you can get your point across. So a couple of weeks ago, when we were just starting this work, there was this incredible Twitter that somebody sent me that was ACO. AOC. AOC, sorry. God, why do I do that? AOC talking to Paul Gosser. And I think it was about, I can't remember, it was some rule or some McCarthy thing. I can't remember what it was about, but it's in the in the little video, it's Gosser chat, 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 talking to her next yep. to her in a seat. Yeah. And she's looking forward and she's nodding her head, nodding her head, nodding her head. I mean, this goes on and on for like a minute and a half. He is like talking at her. And I can see her take a breath yeah. as if she's going to say something. And but, in fact, she does it several times. And yeah. he just keeps talking. She keeps saying, keeps okay, talking. okay, yes. And she's like trying to get, and finally she just busts in and says her, like to get her point across. And so he's just used three minutes and she's used 15 seconds to yes. get her point across. Yes. That's that. Yes. That's male entitlement. Right. Because, Particularly white male entitlement. And why is that entitlement? Because he is operating as though she has the time and the desire to listen to him and he is bestowing on her this incredible intellect right. and argument. Right. And of course she would want to listen to him. He is entitled to her time, energy, and attention. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. entitlement. Yep. That's the guy calling me when I'm on vacation in Hawaii entitled to my time. Yes. Because of course, why wouldn't he be? Right? That's entitlement. Also, you are entitled to have your opinion be the most important. Again, that perfect example, right? So guys, if you want to if you want to own this and start doing something differently, don't rush in to give answers and solutions. You're not entitled to be the person who comes comes, right? to the conclusion. This is what we should do. Right. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um and, you know, again, don't speak on it. It's a lot about like taking up again. It's about the fundamentalness of taking up space. Like, as you said, time, energy, attention, all of the things, right? right? All right. of the things that we have in this world to spend and give. Yes. And then I also, too, <laughs> I mean, my, also, my other really, my, my other big ask is look for ways to support. Yeah. Not just don't take, but look for ways to give. Mm -hmm. Like, look for ways to to. To, yeah, to, to make space, to give, to support, to do better, right? To encourage, mm -hmm. right? Just look for a way to, to change the spice in the soup. Yeah, exactly. And women, I also have some thoughts about what you can do about this. And maybe those thoughts aren't like key the car of the guy who oh, said I the I am not. I you. am not going to go that for far. Me, like now when I'm at the four-way stop. I just freaking go. Yeah. I don't even, I just blast past them. Yeah. I look and I see who's in the driver's seat and I decide, honestly, I'll be honest. If it's a white man, I gun the engine and I go. It's weird too, because it's that mill, it's that thirties, it's a millisecond where you're deciding, and am I going to pause and let him go? And or I'll wait? be honest, it's really aggressive. It's a really aggressive approach and it's not 
kind. It's not thoughtful. It's not any of those things. I don't leave the situation feeling good. Yeah. I leave it as a winner. Yeah. I don't feel good. I feel like I've won. And I'm not sure that that's really the strategy I want to employ in the long run. I don't know either. Which is gunning past But people. I will tell you in all of the coaching that I do, in all of the consulting, it's vast majority of people who I can do coaching for and consulting with is our women. Mm -hmm. And I told you before we started recording, I... This is your biggest, this is your biggest coaching area. Yes. I challenge women a lot to, I charge challenge a lot of women, a lot of the time to know what they want, expect that they will get, act as though they deserve it, act as though it's coming. It's, it, it is, it's okay. Honor their preferences. Stop explaining away, you know, things. Really, truly, I feel like I coach women on how to behave in a, in a way that they deserve exactly what everyone else is getting, mm -hmm. i.e. exactly what white men are getting. And I told you this, when I frequently am, I feel like I am, I act as though the most, as the most entitled person in a lot of spaces. I am, t I want, and I deserve to get the nicest seat. And I think you get pushback for this. The biggest piece of whatever. Mm -hmm. To go first in the buffet line. To, you know, whatever buffet line. It's like I'm having a freaking buffet dinner every other night. But do you That's know what I mean? because my stomach is growling. I know. Uh, you know what I mean, though? And the reason I actually thought of that was a story. I, I, if we have two seconds, I'll tell it. We went to a football um Fun, uh, like a potluck? And, like, no, yeah, it was an end of the year football potluck where all of the parents brought food and set it up on the thing. And the coach had, uh, the coaches called people up to go through the buffet line one at a time and by groups. And he started with women and moms. So all of the moms got to go through the buffet line first. And the people who went up, and then it was like, God, then the that dads. is brilliant. And then the younger siblings and then the football players went last. <coughs> Now, that was probably a strategic move on his part, too, because the football players would have just annihilated the entire, you know, it, there would be nothing left. But that's the point. He thought about it. And the women who went first, he's like, OK, moms, go up first. And we all looked at each other like, what in the bloody? What do you mean we get to go first? We're that's going so first. And, and through the line, all the women, the conversation was like, well, this is nice. Well, then, oh, I didn't even think I was going to get a try that. Like, we were all so flipping surprised that we had we got to go first. And in my mind, I was I, I had already positioned myself close to that goddamn buffet line because I thought it was going to be a race and I was going first. I was so this is what I'm saying is like I feel like I operate in the world as as though I am entitled. I deserve And you are really different this way, Krina. This is the this really distinguishes you from a lot of women we've had you know, veins of this conversation over this entire podcast. Right. That some things you really are. You live in the world in a different way. And this is one of them. And I have been too big for my britches my whole life. <laughs> that's the that's the downside. And I'm just saying maybe not. Maybe you just live like a white man. Right. Yeah. That's, I think, but, what you're but trying to say. But I think that's say. the thing. It's like women get to own this. And it's not bad because my behavior is not in a system that is designed to benefit me. My behavior is despite a misogynistic system. See the difference? Not design. Yes, That's I do. That's the difference. I do. Okay. I sorry. do see it. Do you see it, Kirsten? I do see do it. Are you following friend. me? Friend, I'm right here with you, <laughs> supporting you all the way. Absolutely. Okay. Sorry. Damn. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, listeners, for your, if you're still with us. Yeah, if you're still here. If you're with still this with hard, us, hard we just, subject. we also want to acknowledge, I'm not even sure we're like 
following a train of thought all the way through at this point because I'm just operating with my like your emotional brain emotional brain right now yes <laughs> because that's kind of where when you spend enough time thinking about this yeah looking at it and feeling it that's kind of where you end up yeah which is in this really emotional for me slightly rageful yeah experience yes yeah okay so we can like you're talking about what women can what women can actually yes. do about it yeah. right so yours is i coach women all the time to say be really clear about what you want mm-hmm. expect that you will get it mm-hmm. right when it comes your way take it and don't feel guilty about it yeah don't yes so I think that's an interesting thing. Like Kate Mann says that too. Yep. One of her, the quotations that I love from her and in, in reading and listening to her is that, you know, you don't have to feel bad for people that have privilege. She says, you know, stop prioritizing the emotional needs of the most privileged people yeah. and start to prioritize and redirect those feelings towards the emotional needs of people who are marginalized yeah. and who are really in need of solidarity and support. So alternatively, we as women yeah. need to do the very same thing. Exactly. Be aware of our behavior so we're not continuing to lift up white men, but we're continuing to lift up women and women of color and people of color. Yes. So we can do the very same thing that we're asking men to do exactly right? yes. we can do that yes and not feel bad and not oh which is what part of feel thing. good yes don't feel bad for the men we love them but just start you know feeling also recognizing how and this is really true for me how my own behavior continues to support the misogynistic parts of the system. Yeah. How is it that I, Kirsten, can in my little world make those shifts in just how I direct my efforts, my energies, and my time? Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then we have one more fabulous quotation by Kate Mann, yeah. I think, to bring us home. Bring us home. It's, she says, the only way to combat male entitlement is to expose the flaws in our default modes of thought, right? Which is what we were just saying. hmm Expose those flaws, think about them, while enabling women to take up space, say their piece, and muster resistance to the entitled attitudes of the men around them. I had to take a swallow in the middle of there. Right, because it's big. Sorry, Kate, I botched. But seriously, muster, and yes, exactly. Enable women to take up space, say your piece, sister, and muster resistance to the entitled attitudes of men around you. And I really, I feel like sometimes, as I say, make these changes in my own little world. Like, is it really going to change things? I don't know. Is it really not going to be a misogynistic society? I don't know. Are the healthcare outcomes for women going to be as good as men? Is the pay going to be as good as men? Are elected officials going to, you know, be equally represented with women? I don't know. Are we going to believe women? Yeah, we're going to believe when women. When they speak. Their truth. Uh, yes. Which right now, right? That's the other piece of this. I bet you if men are still listening to us, they've discounted half of what we've said. Oh, see, I was really going to try and you know end on a positive <laughs> I'm note. So sorry. Just... But again, believe that this is the experience. Yes, this is the experience. Okay, so you were saying. What I was saying, though, is my own actions. Like yeah. This is one of those times where I feel like regardless of whether they're going to make a difference, 
you know, this is the only way to behave. Mm -hmm. This is the only thing to do. Mm -hmm. And maybe sometimes we just hold back the darkness with our tiny lights. And that is good enough. Yeah. That is good enough. Right. And then maybe when Spencer is 60, he won't be having the same conversation with his girls. Yeah. Right. Yes. I hope not. I hope not, too. I hope not. Okay, I need to go take a walk in the woods because I'm just feeling super emotional and slightly rageful. I know. Me, too. <laughs> and own it. I Please remember that emotion. Please remember that emotion. Thank you for listening. And thanks for working. Thanks for working. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Okay, bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 